Hey, if you're just jumping in today for the first time, we're glad you're here. We've been talking about this now for a few weeks, how we go through different storms in our lives. It can be in a number of different areas, but we actually think that in some ways, storms can be a blessing because they show us uh, what we just sang about in that song, where our foundation is. And for many of us, we haven't built our lives on the right foundation, and God can actually use a storm to reveal that. So way back when we kicked this series off, we talked about how there are blessings in storms. We talked uh, a couple weeks ago about there's uh, storms that will hit us in our marriage. Hey, if you're married today and you feel like you're walking through a storm, be encouraged, okay? You're not alone. Uh, last week, we talked about the storm of our thought life. And many times, it's actually what we're thinking about uh, that matters more than the actual storm that we're going through. So if you missed any of those messages, they're all posted on our website. Hopefully, uh, they will be an encouragement to you. But let me tell you what we're going to talk about today, where we're going to go, where we're going to camp out, uh, what we're going to do. And I'm really excited to share this with you. The title of today's message is Led Into the storm, and we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, um, go ahead and do that. If not, we'll put all the verses up here on the screen for you. But we're going to talk about a story that maybe uh, you learned at Vacation Bible School back in the day. Maybe uh, you went to Sunday school at your grandmama's church and you heard this story. It's one that if even people who may not necessarily be into the things of God or be in the church, I bet they've heard this story somewhere along the way. And it's the story where Jesus gets into a boat with his disciples and they go through a storm. And we cannot do a series called Weathering Life Storms and not talk about this particular story. So a couple of interesting things about this story. Um, you can also find it in the Gospel of Matthew as well as the Gospel of Luke. But I'm going to um, camp out and mark today. And what we're going to do is read the story in its entirety. And there's seven verses. And then we're going to back up and we're going to start working our way back through it uh, one verse at a time. So this is where you're going to need your message notes. They're inside your bulletin. Go ahead and find those. Uh, get those ready. If you're joining us online, um, you can access those at VaughnForest.com um, or through your Vaughn Forest Church app. So I'm going to then go back through, and I'm going to give you kind of seven observation slash applications. So we got to see what's happening with Jesus and the disciples in the storm. But I do think there's some things that we can glean from the story that are going to help us and ultimately help us when we see that Jesus is the one who's led us into a storm. So let's read the story in its entirety, and then, like I said, we'll start working our way back through it. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, and obviously this is Jesus talking here, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Great story. Jesus and his disciples, he's in a boat. He speaks to the water, speaks to the, the, the wind. And uh, as they say, that's the rest of the story. But I think there's some things that we can see as we go through storms from this story. So grab your message notes. Like I said, we're going to start working our way through. I know seven sounds like a lot, but we're going to work through it at a good little pace, okay? You're going to get out of here on time, all right? But let's start working our way back through this story. I think there's some things that are going to encourage you today. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Sometimes Jesus leads you into the storm. I just think that's a good reminder. 
If we're not careful, we can construct a faith that when confronted by storms means Jesus isn't in it. We must have sinned. We must have done something wrong. God has abandoned us. That's kind of what Job's friends said to him in the Old Testament. Hey, Job, what did you do to bring all of this calamity into your life? And we can very easily begin to think that way. But what I want you to see from this story is sometimes the storm was Jesus's idea. So let's go back. I know we just read it, but just a quick review. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. This was his suggestion. Y'all get in the boat and we're gonna go. And I think it's good for us just to see that up top before we really dive in. So let me give you a big idea. I don't often put the big idea after the first point, but I'm doing it today. We'll try it on for size and we'll see how it fits, okay? So this is a lot to write down. So we're gonna leave it up here for a second. But you gotta see this foundationally. When Jesus wants to get you somewhere, show you something about himself, or grow your faith, oftentimes he will lead you into a storm. This is not an exhaustive list. There could be a number of reasons why Jesus would lead you into a storm. I'm simply offering, suggesting three. He may want to get you somewhere. What do I mean by that? Well, you're a high school senior and, and, and you're gonna graduate and he needs to get you to the next season of your life, wherever that may be, whether it's college or whether it's somewhere else, it might feel like that's a little bit of a storm. That's a tough transition. Maybe you're graduating college and it's time to get the career started and he needs to get you somewhere. Sometimes Jesus just needs to move you from here to there. And we all kind of just like to stay here. Jesus says, no, I'm going to take you there. It could be in your career. Maybe he's going to physically move you somewhere. A lot of you guys are military families. We're so grateful for your service to our nation, and we love having you a part of Vaughn Forest. And this is the time of year where a lot of you find out where you're going to go next, and God's moving you somewhere next. And in the process, it could probably feel like some storms along the way. Sometimes Jesus wants to show you something about himself that you don't know. You can be saved, rescued, redeemed, born again, promised eternity with Jesus in heaven forever, and still have a lot of things that you don't know about Jesus, that other Christ followers have experienced. There, there are sides of him that, that you haven't experienced before, and sometimes Jesus will lead you into a storm so that you can begin to experience him in a new way. Sometimes he just wants to grow your faith. Sometimes all of us can just get really comfortable. We get stuck. A little bit of inertia has set in, and Jesus comes along, and he leads us into a storm, and it's rocky, and it gets uncomfortable. But what's happening there is our faith can actually grow. Now, sometimes we're in a storm because we made a really dumb decision. Don't point, okay? Don't point. That's not nice, okay? Sometimes we're in a storm because we made a really dumb decision. We've all done it. We've all been there. That's not what I'm talking about today. That's next week, okay? So we're gonna have low attendance Sunday next Sunday, okay? It's gonna be awesome, right? Everybody's gonna show up like, hey, let me tell you my dumb decision, okay? No, you'll fit right in at Vaughn Forest, okay? I tell people all the time, hey, if you're perfect, don't join our church, you'll ruin it for the rest of us, okay? So we are not a people who have it all together. We worship a perfect savior. There's times we just do dumb stuff. There's consequences, there's a storm. And we're gonna talk about that next week. God can meet you in the middle of that. He can bring good things from that. But that's not this week. This week is to the best of your ability, not perfection. You're seeking to walk with the Lord. You have a heart for obedience. You've prayerfully thought it through. You've run it past a few other brothers and sisters in your life group. And, and it seemed like everything was saying go. And you went go, and all of a sudden you're in a storm. And you're like, what happened? Jesus led you there. 
But what I want you to see is there might be a great purpose in him leading you. There certainly was for the disciples that day, and I believe there can be for us as well. Let me give you the second observation from this story. Not everybody gets invited into Jesus' boat. I find that interesting. Jesus says, hey, come on, y'all, hop in the boat. And he was very selective about who he asked to hop in his boat. And it was the disciples. Now, there's a couple of groups of people who got left out. I think this is interesting. See if you caught it the first time I read the story. Leaving the crowd behind. Interesting. There's a crowd of people on the shore, and Jesus doesn't invite them into the boat. He leaves them behind. So not everybody gets to go. Now, that crowd probably found out later what happened, and they were like, man, I'm glad we didn't get invited. Doesn't sound like you guys had a great evening out. Because sometimes the crowd can actually seem like they came out on the better end of the deal, but that's not what's happening here. So, so they don't get invited. And then look at this. It says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And then I think this is interesting. There were also other boats with him. So this isn't the only boat. There's some other boats but only the disciples got asked into Jesus's boat. And in doing so, in many ways, the disciples were leaving the crowd behind. The disciples were stepping away and separating themselves and, and getting closer now to Jesus in a way that not everybody else was. And as I was studying this passage this week, it kind of brought into mind something that, I don't know, maybe twice a year, I'll talk about it in a sermon and I hadn't talked about it in a while. So I thought, let's talk about it. So it's kind of a, a little picture here that is a helpful um, graphic, chart, image. I'm not sure which one of those words I'm supposed to use to describe this. It's five concentric circles. And it's a helpful picture of our disciple-making strategy at Vaughn Forest Church. Now, we didn't come up with this. There's a pastor out in um, Lake Forest, California. Rick Warren pastored Saddleback Church for over 40 years. He retired last year. He came up with this, and it can apply to any church. And, and I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, as they say, so I like things that just make it easy for me to see, and this makes it easy for us to see. What are we doing here at Vaughn Forest Church? Well, we exist to reach, first circle, our community. That's why we were planted. Back in 1994, First Baptist Montgomery planted Vaughn Forest Church to reach the community of East Montgomery and Pike Road. Now, do we reach people who live in other places? Of course, but that was our primary purpose and mission, okay, to reach our community. So as we seek to reach people in our community, sometimes we make contact with some of those individuals. Let's call them the crowd. But these are people who aren't really connected to Vaughn Forest but they've experienced us in some way. Maybe they joined us online for service. Maybe one of their friends sent us our, our podcast and they listened to it. Maybe they came at Christmas Eve or they came at Easter or, or maybe when the school year starts back, they kind of come. And so they would say, yeah, Vaughn Forest is my church, but they're not necessarily connected to Vaughn Forest Church. Well, then there's a group of people, the congregation, and that's kind of y'all. It's kind of the people who are here every single week, and they're taking notes, and they're worshiping, and the kids are participating in the kids' ministry, but the congregation changes every single week. So it's not like the same group of people come every single week because you travel, and you know kids get sick, and all the different kind of things. Then you've got the committed. The committed are really, in many ways, who makes this church happen. We have a very small staff here at Vaughn Forest, and that's kind of by design because we think that God equips the body. And so whether it's the production team or the worship team or the army of people serving our kids in the next generation ministry, people who have said, we will take ownership of the mission and the vision of this church, we would say are the committed. And then finally, there's the core. And the core are basically the individuals who have said, hey, Lord, everything about my life is yours. I no longer stake a claim on any of it. 
So my time, my talent, my treasure, everything about my life is gonna be committed to you. And the way that that will be expressed through a faith community is with my church family called Vaughn Forest Church. So as you look at this for a second, I wanna point out a couple things. First of all, with each progression, there's less people. So there's less people in the congregation than the crowd, there's less people in the committed than the congregation, and the fewest number of people are the core. This is what it looks like to grow in discipleship. Somewhere along the way, you have to make a decision, I'm gonna leave the crowd behind. I'm not gonna worry about what everybody else says. I'm not going to let other people set the pace for my walk with the Lord. I'm going to step out and I'm gonna leave the crowd behind. Jesus is doing this with his disciples that day. But let me tell you what happens when you decide to leave the crowd. When you decide to leave the crowd, the enemy takes notice. Okay? You do know that, that, that Satan will leave you alone as long, as long as you just play the church game. He'll leave you alone. Just play the church game. But the moment you say, wait a second, dads, fathers, let me speak to you for a second. The moment you say, no, we're not playing this church game anymore because I know what's happening in this world right now. And I look at my kids and I think to myself, what on earth is the world gonna look like when they're adults? So I better get their faith grounded now but I don't know what the heck I'm doing as a dad. I'm with you, feel the same way, okay? So I need other people to help me. Oh, that's why God gave us the church. Okay, so guess what, family? So you got a wife, you got 2.5 kids, you live in a cul-de-sac, okay? You look at that wife and there's 2.5 kids and you say, hey, we're getting in the minivan and we're going to church and you don't get a vote to the glory of God. That's what you do, okay? And you're leading and, and, and you're making faith a priority. You're leading your family in family devotions. You're not perfect. You still mess up, and you confess your sins at dinner to your kids, okay? We've all been there, all right? It's not just me, all right? So that you're leading. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're now leaving the crowd. The enemy's like, no, 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 no. I need you to keep playing the church game. Anytime you leave the crowd, you're going to face a storm. Now, here's what I'm trying to say. Please connect these dots, whether it's the dad and the wife with the 2.5 kids in the cul-de-sac or whether it's the disciples that day with Jesus, when you decide to leave the crowd, it's you're leaving the crowd to walk with Jesus. And as you leave the crowd to walk with Jesus, guess where Jesus is taking you? Right into the middle of a storm. If you don't see faith this way, and if you don't see cultivating a relationship with God this way, it's gonna be difficult to understand the purpose when you're actually going through a storm. Let me give you the third thing that we see from this story. Storms don't affect Jesus the way they do us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why he's Jesus. That's why he's different. He's not just another founder of some world religion. Jesus is Jesus is Jesus, period. There's nobody like him. And the things that we go through in life, they don't affect him the way they affect us. I mean, you saw it earlier, but let's go back to the story and we'll review it. A furious squall came up. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, but Jesus was in the stern sleeping with a Snuggie. That's basically what it says, okay? Now, they didn't have Snuggies back then, but it does say he has a cushion. I mean, come on now, is a good pillow? It's nothing better than a good pillow, right? It's hard to find good pillows. You got Costco, Walmart, I digress, okay? It's hard to find a good pillow. But here's the picture I have. Since Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm and it says he had a cushion, I need you to like back the story up a little bit. Here's what this means. I, I, I like the details in these stories. It means that when the disciples were getting on the boat, Jesus is stepping into the boat and he's holding a pillow. <laughs> he brought it with him. He's like, I bet we're gonna face a storm tonight. It's a great time to catch a nap. 
Here, here's what I need you to see. The storm doesn't affect him the same way. And that's really good news. Because if you're going through a storm and he's in your boat and he's asleep, because that's how calm he is, that's good. Now, if Jesus is bailing water, if Jesus is pacing the floor, we're all in trouble, right? That's not what's happening. That's so comforting to see that this is how Jesus handled that storm. It's how Jesus handles your storm. It doesn't throw him off one bit. Okay, let's keep going. What else do we see from the story? Storms can cause us to question the goodness of God. This is where we gotta be careful. Going through a storm, you know that God's all powerful. So why would he let this storm into your life? And some of you guys are walking through difficult storms. And it really doesn't make any sense why God would allow this into your life. And the temptation when you're going through a storm is to question the goodness of God. But see, God is okay with your questions. God is big enough to handle your questions. God is big enough to handle your doubt. God is big enough to handle your confusion. But there is a way where we can do that without calling into question the goodness of God. See, it's okay to say, God, I don't see your hand in this. God, I don't understand what you're up to. God, this doesn't make any sense, but I will keep trusting you. Hey, God, I don't understand what's going on with my kid right now. I mean, we've done the best we can to lay a foundation of faith, but they're kind of walking through a season right now, and, and, and it doesn't look a lot like that foundation of faith is showing up. And, and God, I'm, I'm just about at the end of, I, I, I don't know what else to do, but I'm gonna keep trusting in your faithfulness, God. Hey, God, I don't get how we got here in my marriage you, you said you would be there with us. It doesn't feel like you're with us at all. I want to throw in the towel. I'm ready to quit. But God, I've come too far with you to turn my back on you now. Did you know that questioning God while continuing to declare the goodness of God is actually an incredible sign of faith? So question God. Take your questions to him, but don't question his goodness because he is good, even if you can't see his goodness in the middle of your storm. Now, the disciples, they, they get this totally wrong. Look at what they do, okay? Again, storm's happening. Jesus is asleep, got the snuggie, got the cushion, got the pillow, and they wake him up. The disciples woke him up and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, let's leave this up here for a second because they get a bunch of things wrong. First of all, they don't call him by the right name. See, teacher is a generic term that could have been ascribed to anybody they don't recognize the uniqueness of who's in their boat, which you would think sleeping in a storm would have given it away. But these guys are, you know, a little dense, okay? Some of us can relate. So they don't pick up on this. So they address him by the, the wrong name. They are not yet at a point where they recognize who Jesus really is. This story is gonna be one more step getting them closer to recognizing who Jesus is. But they call him teacher. They call him Jesus. They don't call him son of God. Jesus had referred to himself already as the son of man, the son of God, the son of the most high. They just call him teacher. And then look what happens. After addressing him with the wrong name, they then make an accusation. They're, they're making an accusation. They're not asking a question. This is how you call into question God's goodness. They're calling into question Jesus's goodness. Don't you care if we drown? That's not a question, that's an accusation. Hey, please don't miss this principle. When you don't rightly address Jesus, 
and you go through storms, your heart will turn on you and you'll begin to accuse him. Hey, that's not the Jesus I learned about in church. That's not the Jesus we sang to last Sunday. But when we worship, let's talk about that for a second. We're not singing a few songs before I get out here to teach. Worship is your opportunity corporately to put your heart's focus back on Jesus, regardless of what you're going through. Now, why does that matter? Because unless you have Jesus seated in the correct seat, and unless you are addressing Jesus by the correct title, the circumstances in your life will lead your heart astray where you begin to accuse Jesus of things that, aren't, that don't have anything to do with him at all because you're focused on the storm. You're focused on the water crashing over the sides of the boat. So seeing Jesus for who he is and worshiping him appropriately has a way of right-sizing what's happening in our life and our response to it at a heart level. So please don't miss this. It's a big deal. The disciples missed that, and it affected them in the way they were looking at the storm. Okay, let's keep going. Jesus is more powerful than the storm. Jesus is more powerful than the storm. This is why this story is famous. It's because Jesus is more powerful than the storm. But I need you to understand Jesus is more powerful than your storm as well. He's more powerful than whatever set of circumstances you're in, whatever you feel like is coming against you. Look at what happens here. Again, we've already read it, but let's review it because it's just so great. So Jesus gets up, he rebuked the wind, <laughs> and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having been there? and witnessed this. Incredible. And so many times when we're going through storms in our life, I hope I'm not the only one this happens with. So I'm, I'm gonna share my heart here for a second, and I hope that you can relate. If not, um, then I'm just sharing my heart. When I go through a storm, my anxiety goes up. My fear goes up. I start worrying. I mean, I'm up here and I'm teaching God's word and, you know, it all seems well. Hey, can I tell you when I'm going through a storm, I'm worried. When, when I don't know what's gonna happen, there's a lot of anxiety. When I can't make sense of things, it, it's confusing. And, and I don't know where to go or, or who to turn to. And, and, and very quickly, I, I am now noticing all of the storms and the circumstances and, and everything that's leading me to feel this way. I, ho I hope I'm not alone. This is what happens in my life. But can I tell you one of the things I've learned about Jesus in storms is that when I remember who's in the boat with me, oh yeah, Jesus promised his presence. He promised he'd never leave me. He, he's actually here with me. He's in the boat feels like he's asleep. I might need to nudge him a little bit. Hey, don't you not see what's going on here? Okay. But when I remember he's in the boat, he's more powerful than this storm, this circumstance, this challenge. Do you know what Jesus has been kind enough to do in my life multiple times? Look at my heart and the worry and the fear and the anxiety and the confusion and say, be still. Be still. Quiet that down. You're looking at the wrong thing. I'm more powerful than that. And there have been times in my life where the anxiety and the fear and the worry and the confusion, they're really high. But as Jesus speaks into those things, they start to calm down. 
they, they start to die down. I'm reminded Jesus is more powerful than whatever it is that's led me to this place of despondency. And see, Jesus, when you're going through a storm, here's what he needs you, he needs me to be reminded of because we forget he's more powerful than the storm. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, listen to me. When you take that to Jesus, he can look at it and say, hey, quiet, be still. I'm gonna rebuke that for a little while. They need a break. I'm gonna lighten their load. This is what Jesus does. But if you don't remember that he's more powerful than the storm, you're not gonna talk to him about it when you're going through the storm. Let me tell you the next thing we see, and it's kind of tied to this one as well, the point we just talked about. Number six, storms are an opportunity for you, you to get to know Jesus better. Hey, when I share that about my own life, can I tell you, those experiences have helped me know Jesus better. Not know about Jesus more. Help know Jesus better. Did you know that a storm could be a great opportunity for you to get to know something about Jesus that you didn't know? That's what we see from the story. Let's go back to it and look what happened with the disciples. They literally asked the question, who is this? I mean, just a few minutes ago, they were calling him teacher. Now they're like, we don't even know who this guy is. Even the wind and the waves obey him. When you are walking through a storm, church, and you start talking to Jesus about your storm, can I tell you what begins to happen in your life? You begin to ask the same question in amazement. Who is this that Jesus would involve himself in the details of my life? Who is this that Colossians 1 says the agent through whom creation took place, not just holding our world and our solar system together, but literally everything together, wants to sit down and have a devotion time with me? Who, who is this? Who is this that when I'm hurting would bring healing to my heart? Who is this that would be my comforter during a time of trial? See, there are things about Jesus, listen, that you don't know. There are sides to his goodness you have not experienced. There's aspects of his graciousness that you have not yet sensed. And in his goodness and in his kindness, he wants to take you there. And oftentimes the way he takes you there is through a storm. And you may be there right now. You may be in the middle of a storm and all you see is the storm. And might I encourage you that this is actually an opportunity for you to go deeper with Jesus. Do you know Jesus wants to go deeper with you? That he wants to cultivate a relationship with you? That he's not interested in surface level jargon or church speak. He actually wants to know you in a way where you begin to know him in ways you could have never imagined. But listen, oftentimes he will use a storm to get you there. And then finally, number seven, what's the last thing we see from the story? Storms bring us back to the foundation of our faith. They just bring us back. Hey, when you're going through a storm, so many times we just forget all the things that we've known about God to be true. We can just forget them. All the things we've experienced with Jesus, we forget them. What is the foundation of our faith? It's a good question to consider. Years ago, it was about 15 years ago, I was getting my teeth cleaned. Not that I haven't had my teeth cleaned since, but on this particular occasion, I was getting my teeth cleaned about 15 years ago, and the person cleaning my teeth started having a conversation with me. Now, if you're in the teeth cleaning business, I want you to know that puts all of us in a tough spot, okay? 
Because when you're talking to us and our teeth are being cleaned, it's hard to respond, okay? But anyway, you find the places to pause and you have the conversation. And somehow church and pastor and all the things came up. And this person just said to me, well, I don't really buy into that. I've kind of always just believed in evolution. You know, I don't really think that, you know, God created us. I think that, you know, we're just kind of products of, of evolution and this and that and the other. And they're cleaning my teeth, so I can't really respond. And then they finally stopped. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, I, a lot of people, you know, believe that. I've, I've certainly heard that before. And I said, but here, here's kind of the three questions I come back to. So this was my opportunity to, you know, hopefully offer something without, you know, being argumentative or anything like that. I just said, here's the three questions I come back to. And what I didn't tell that person that I'm telling you right now is this is the foundation of our faith, okay? Here's the three questions I come back to. One, was Jesus really God's son? Two, was he really dead on the cross? And then three, was he really alive again? I said, those are the three questions I come back to. And this person looked at me and said, huh. Everybody just give, anybody ever just giving you a huh? This person looked at me and said, huh. I guess your answer to those three questions would give you your answer to everything else. I said, exactly. Because the foundation of our faith is Jesus. And church, here's what I want you to know about Jesus. He really did go to the cross for your sins. He really did defeat death through the resurrection. And 500 people really did see him walking around for 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And he really did send the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two that really did start the church where these same disciples who are knuckleheads in a beach empowered by the Holy Spirit are changing the world in the first century. And he really did say he's coming back. And he really has given us his word. See, the Bible isn't just another book. It's the inspired word of God. It's inerrant. It's true. And you can trust it. And has authority in your life. See, we have the foundation of our faith, Jesus Christ. And we also have God's spoken word, the scriptures. And so many times, we just need to be brought back to that. There are so many promises given to us in Scripture that we can stand on that when we're going through a storm, we forget. And sometimes we just need to be brought back to what God has already said. We need to be brought back to what Jesus has already said. And don't miss this. If the disciples had caught this, that entire evening could have been a much different experience for them. So let me take you back to the beginning of the story. I'm gonna see who caught this. First part of the story today. Here's what Jesus says. Let us go over to the other side. And then there's a period. I can see it right now. Do you see it? There's a big period. It says, let us go over to the other side. It was settled right then and there. It's his idea. Let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go to a storm. He said, let's go to the other side. He had already spoken it. He had already said it was gonna to come to pass. And the fact that they went through a storm was just part of the journey. But if the disciples had been paying attention that day, the moment Jesus said, let's go to their side, they could have taken a Snuggie too. They could have had a good night's rest. They could have gone right through the middle of that storm and not faced fear, not have any worried, because Jesus had already spoken it. Jesus had already said it was true. And Jesus was with them in the boat. For many of you today, here's what you need to be reminded of. Jesus has said, hey, we're gonna go to the other side. See, the title of this message is a little misleading. Jesus doesn't lead you into a storm. Jesus leads you to the other side, and oftentimes he's gonna lead you through a storm to get you to the other side. Don't you quit on your marriage. He's gonna lead you to the other side. Don't you quit on that kid. Don't you quit on that grandchild. He's gonna lead you to the other side. It's a storm right now, I get it. Water is coming all over the top of the boat and it feels like you're sinking. But he's gonna lead you to the other side. 
Ultimately, do you know where Jesus is going to lead us to the other side? He's going to lead us to the other side to be with him. Some of you fear death because you've never experienced salvation. You've never come to a place in your life where you admitted you were a sinner in need of a savior. And if you died today, you don't know where you'd spend all of eternity. And here's what Jesus says. I'll faithfully lead you to the other side to be with me for all of eternity if you'll accept me as your savior. See, Jesus doesn't leave us in the storm. Jesus doesn't leave us in the valley. Jesus walks through us. Why? Through it with us. Why? Because he's already said he would. He's already promised us his presence. And we've got to stand on those promises to get to the other side with him. Would you bow your head with me this morning? And as you bow your head this morning, I need you to think about the storm in your life. It could be with your kids, your finances, your family, your marriage. And you're seeing the storm and you have forgotten who led you into this to begin with. You've forgotten who's in the boat with you. You've forgotten who's more powerful than the storm in front of you. You've missed the opportunity to actually get to know Jesus in the storm. Because here's the thing, if you keep reading this story, when they got to the other side, there was some work to do. So right now, Jesus has said, I'm gonna get you to the other side. You're in the middle of a storm. Let's get the, let's get the lesson now, because when you get out of this storm and you get to the other side, he's gonna use you to accomplish some things. So many times we're focused on what we can see instead of fixing our eyes on what is unseen. Whether you see him or not, whether you feel him or not, here's the promise. Jesus is with you. And maybe you're here today and that's not true for you. He's not with you because you've never asked him to come into your life and save you. Hey, if that's you this morning, would you just right where you're seated. Just pray, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I need you. I believe you're God's son who died on the cross and defeated death through the resurrection. You're my only way back to God. Would you come into my life and save me? For some of you, you you've been born again for a while. You just forgot Jesus was in the boat with you. You focus too much on the storm. We're gonna sing this song here. Joya introduced it to us a few weeks ago. And there really is something about the name of Jesus. When you call on the name of Jesus, when you rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus, when you speak against evil in the name of Jesus, God's word says demons must Flee. The name of Jesus is unlike any other name. And this Jesus that we speak of in God's word, this Jesus that we sing to, there's no one like him. There's no one beside him. There's no one with his power. There's no one with his love for you like him. And so Jesus, as we come to you right now with hearts open, we want to declare your name. God, for many of us, we just kind of need to get back to that foundation. We, we've kind of lost our way. We started focusing on the storm, and so, Lord, maybe in these next few moments, you could bring us back to you. To help us boldly and collectively declare the name of Jesus. 
to focus on you instead of focusing on the waves and the wind and the storm that's all around us. We pray these things in your name and your name alone. Amen. Hey, can we stand together and respond to worship this morning?